This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. Good morning, everybody. I say this almost every time I walk on stage, and I mean it today more than ever before. It is so good to see you. To walk out here and see so many faces, some old friends, some new friends gathered together to experience life and fullness and joy, meet Jesus in the process. It's just so fun to sit down with you guys today. I was reflecting on our worship time together and the words that we sang and the thing that Sarah talked with us about, that God's love is relentless and that God is love. And and we placed that in there, that God is faithful and kind and God God does not rejoice in evil, but delights in good, and God brings hope and comfort. And and boy, we need that as as a country and as a world more than ever, don't we? I was praying this week along with so many of us about the tragedy that happened in Las Vegas. And we have friends in the church, a couple who was here. I hugged them on the way in. They were at the concert. We have others whose coworkers were shot and friends and family members were were killed. And I wanted to come out and just and, and talk for a moment and pray together as a community. And I said this a few weeks ago, it seems like I could walk out on stage pretty much every week and talk and pray about some disaster, either a natural disaster or an unnatural disaster that's going on in our world today. And I was saying this to a close friend of mine. I said, I don't, I don't know. Do I walk out every week and pray every week about that? And my friend said, well, why not? Why not just come out? And pray for God to move in our community. And uh, it seems appropriate even now just to say all the things we're talking about as a community of faith, everything we're talking about, about our next 20 years being our most impactful 20 years, it all comes to clarity in these moments. When we recognize that the hope and healing, and forgiveness, and peace, and comfort, and joy that Jesus offers is this thing that our world so badly needs. So I'd like to pray, and I'd like you to join me, and then we will continue to move on together in our time. Would you join me as we pray? Jesus, I'm struck by the reality of the words that Sarah led us through, that you are patient and you are kind. You do not seek your own. You're not proud. You are humble, that you don't delight in evil, but you rejoice in the good, and that you are, Jesus, a comforter to all who mourn, that you are present when we feel utterly alone, that you bring healing and hope in a world that so desperately needs healing and hope. And I would ask Jesus, along with my community here today, that you would, that you would, God, bring healing for so many who are grieving, that you would bring hope for so many who feel hopeless right now, that you would bring peace, Lord, where there is right now nothing but internal chaos. And would you use our community of faith and faith communities all over this country and world to be your hands and your feet, to be wrapping our arms around people, loving them, and reminding our world of your great love. 
Jesus, we ask this together as a community, praying along with many thousands of others today. Amen. Amen. Friends, when you walked in, you should have received a program. In your program, there are a few different things that you're going to want this morning. The first is this Start Here card. This is your all-access pass to our church. This is how we can partner with you, pray for you, resource you, connect you to things that we're doing in the church and in the city. Go ahead and fill that out. At the end of our time together, we'll be, uh, we'll be passing some baskets. You can drop this in. The other thing you're going to want are our teaching notes because they will tell you the Bible story we're looking at today. They'll give you some things to be thinking about this week as we move forward. Uh, They'll give us some conversation for our life groups, which are these small groups that meet throughout the week, and they will prepare us for what God is doing in our church. Well, we are in week four of this vision series called Engage, where we're talking about as we head into our 20th year as a church, what it's going to look like for our next 20 years to be our best 20 years. And by our best 20 years, I just mean our most impactful 20 years, where we're reaching people more fully, where we're engaging more deeply, where God is doing things in us and through us to send ripple effects into Sonoma County and around the world. And we've been talking about what it's going to mean for us. And it's been so fun. I've been meeting with small groups of people. In fact, a week and a half ago, I had kind of just an open forum time, two different gatherings, Uh, On Monday night and a Wednesday night, maybe 50 of us came together just for you to ask questions. Kevin, what's happening? What's next? How are we going to get from here where we are to there where God is taking us? And God brought some clarity to me through your questions. One of the questions that came up was, was largely in the form of a statement. And statements are good because there are questions in statements. And the statement was this, Kevin, you're not giving us enough of the framework for where we're going. We need to know more. A friend said to me, it's like I walked into a car lot with $10,000 and said, I want a car. And the car dealer said, I've got a car. Well, tell me which kind of car you've got for me. So uh, I'll tell you why I have not been extremely explicit about some of our next steps for the next season. And it's simply this, because whatever God's going to do through us in the next season is dependent on what God does in us and through us right now as we look together to fund the vision for the next season. So I can't tell you exactly when and how we're going to be doing everything moving forward because I don't know what God's going to do in and through us in the process of funding what God wants to do in this church in the next season. But I can give you some framework. But here's my caveat. I'm going to right now share with you some of what I mean when I say our next 20 years is going to be our best 20 years. But you have to promise not to hold me to every single thing. Do you promise? Okay, listen, listen. I need 100% agreement on this. Otherwise, I can't share with you. Is that okay if I just share with you just some pieces, some of the framework for what it's going to mean for our next 20 years to be our best 20 years? Would that be okay? Okay, you want? Okay, perfect. So here's what we're talking about. We're talking about setting up infrastructure in the church to create pathways to move people forward on their journey with God. So pathways to help people come from not following Jesus into this church and creating irresistible environments for people to meet Jesus, and then pathways to help people take their next steps with God. We've been working with um, a church, which is arguably one of the 10 most influential churches in the country right now. And I contacted them about three months ago, and I said, how do you do what you do? And they got me in contact with a point leader from their organization, and they started talking to us about pathways. And we've had hours of conversations, and they believe in new life. Now, this is a church, again, that's in one of the top 10 most influential churches in our country. They believe in us. And they said, well, let us partner with you to help you create some infrastructure, some systems to help create pathways for people coming from outside of the church into the church. Pathways to help kids experience God 
in increasingly great ways. Pathways so that when you are serving in the church, God is both transforming us in the process of us giving our lives away to other people. So we're talking about working with this organization, this church, to create environments that make it easy and known when you come into this church to know exactly where to go and what to do and how to move forward. Because any church that's worth its salt, that's trying to reach people who are out there and bring them into here and help us who are here walk on a path with God needs to know exactly how to walk us from here to there. So that's one of the things we're doing. This organization also has great environments for kids and youth. And so in this next season, we're going to take some major leaps forward in how we serve and minister to and lead children in our church and junior and senior high students in our church. And listen, our student pastor, Jake, has done a great job. He's done a great job. He has, hasn't he? I mentioned to us about a month ago that that Jake is transitioning off of our staff team. And this is his last Sunday here. God's called him to another church and we're excited for him and we will miss him deeply. I'm going to invite him up a little later so that I can pray over him. He's done a great job. But of all the, the church groups, youth groups in Petaluma, the largest church youth group in Petaluma maybe has 31 junior and senior high students combined. We have two high schools and two junior highs just in the public school venue of Petaluma. 30 students is not the sum and total of what God dreams of for reaching junior and senior high students. So when I talk about making our next 20 years our best, we're talking about taking major leaps forward with our children and our students and creating the space for them to meet Jesus. We're talking about training and development for people in the church and people in the city and things like parenting. No one's teaching us how to parent our kids. It's like, good luck. The church can do that. So training and development, just not just for us, but for our community in parenting, in marriage, in things like addiction recovery, and things like financial freedom, taking major steps forward in that, in equipping people to live the way that God designed for them to live. We're talking about stewarding this great space where God has met many thousands of people through new life, through this church. When I say stewarding, here's what I mean. We know that this roof leaks. This is just one example. This roof leaks. I love spontaneous baptisms, where if you sense God drawing you in, you can come forward and be baptized. That's awesome. What I don't want to have is an accidental baptism. And by the way, it's going to happen in that general area because we have a big problem spot right there where you're sitting there and all of a sudden, and you just assume, well, I guess I'm getting baptized today. We don't want that. In two years, we're going to have to fix our roof. We just are. So being a good steward, just like you would in your home, is setting aside monthly money so that when it's time to fix the roof, we have the money to fix the roof. The same thing is true for our parking lot. We need lights out there to make it safe. We need to finish it so we can be a good neighbor in this community. We need to set aside resources to steward the resource that God has given to us. We're talking about leveraging ourselves for the sake of Sonoma County through this thing that we're calling impact that I'm going to lay out with Pastor Ron in 2018. But impact talks about 12 strategic, what we're calling neighborhoods, which are really causes. 12 strategic causes in Sonoma County and around the world that New Life is going to be a part of, really serving and loving and giving ourselves away for the sake of this community. We're going to get into this community like never before. We're talking about global partnerships, things like human trafficking, things like the refugee crisis, things like lack of clean drinking water. We want to be a global presence, even as we are a local church. So we're going to take steps forward in that. One of the things that's closest to my heart is reaching this community, helping this community meet Jesus. In our immediate reach 
community. That's Roner Park down through Petaluma, and we have great people in Santa Rosa, Novato, all over. But our immediate reach community has 112,000 people in it. And of that 112,000 people, and I want to be very specific because my buddy Justin said, you've got to give us some, some clarifying answers to this part of your conversation. Of that 112,000 people, today, right now, only about 3% of those people are going to a Protestant church, are engaging with God in a local Protestant church. That means 97% of these cities that we deeply love are not meeting Jesus today, right now, through a local church. Friends, that cannot be. That's, that's 10,860 people and some change. So one of the things that God's put on my heart is how do we create space? Whether it's drawing more people into this gathering here, or it seems like Petaluma has a carrying capacity when it comes to church. About seven, 800 people, we think, okay, that's big enough for us. Some of you are like, seven or 800 people? Listen, we already reach five to 600 people a week right now. But it seems like maybe God is going to create new lives all over Sonoma County. Satellite campuses, multiple campuses where people can gather together and meet Jesus. And God's already moving. I said to my wife two weeks ago, if we don't look drastically different in three years than we do right now, in the best possible ways, just moving forward, if we don't look drastically different, I will be shocked because of the amount of things God is doing. When I talk about our next 20 years being our best 20 years, those are just some examples of the types of things we're going to be looking at. The question becomes, how do we get from here to there? And that's what we've been talking about in Engage. I've said to us, it's going to take all of us who call New Life Home engaging with God in three key areas. And we're going to lay these out area by area over the next year or so. The first one is this. I'm asking everyone who calls New Life Home. And if you don't call New Life Home, you just get a front row seat to what we believe it looks like to experience God's love and love other people in a way that it changes us and it changes our community. The first is to pray each day. I'm asking everybody to pray at 1.12 p.m., for the 112,000 people in our immediate reach community to set your alarm, to have your alarm go off, and to pray every single day. Because when we pray, we're encountering God, and God moves as his people come together and pray. We're going to talk more about prayer in the coming seasons. The second thing is to know your go. I'm inviting everybody to know our strategic service influence areas. And in the spring, we're going to lay out this whole impact community involvement piece. But your strategic service influence area could be in the church, could be in the city, could be in a global partnership. But I'm going to teach and train all of us about how to find out what God wired us for and then to unleash us to go. I love leading in the church. But one of the things I really love doing is leading at soccer. I love soccer. So this last Saturday, I got to coach my son Landon's soccer game. He's six years old, and I'm not my daughter's coach this year, but there was no referee that showed up at the game, so I got nominated to be the referee for my daughter's soccer game. Here's how it happened. We get to the game, and the team we're playing is our rival team. They're both top in the division. It's the last game of the season. Two weeks ago when we played them, both sets of parents were standing up, and there was a lot of uh, strong conversation going across the field. So much so that the ref didn't even show up to this game. So I took Landon to go to the restroom when we found out there was no ref. I took him to the restroom and I came back and I found out that I had been voted in by our team to be the referee for the game. One of the guys said, let the rev do it. He'll call a fair game. Well, the other team wasn't having me ref the whole game. So they had a parent ref the first half. I refed the second half. Just to give you a little insight about... About 10 minutes left in the game, something happens, a call gets made, both coaches charge the field. 
These are eight-year-olds, okay? Charge the field. Here I am with my whistle, because I always carry a whistle. Here I am with my whistle, boop, boop, blowing my whistle. They charge. They are yelling at each other. The, the parents are yelling grenades over at each other. And I just smiled. Like, what's going where am I? I just smiled and said, you guys, you guys, you guys, this is great. Just like this. You guys, it's okay. It's okay. Even if it's the wrong call, it's okay. They weren't yelling at me, praise God. They were yelling at each other. <laughs> they kept on going, so I blew the whistle louder until they quieted down. I said, it's, it's going to be okay. <laughs> all right, all right. So they both walked back over. And in that moment, I thought, thank you, God, that my influence isn't just in a church, but I get to influence in our community. This is what we're talking about being the voice of Jesus, the hands of Jesus, the feet of Jesus into our community. I'm convinced that the more people in Sonoma County that meet new lifers, the more people in Sonoma County will be drawn to Jesus. So I want to equip us to get out into Sonoma County, to know our go. We'll talk all about that. The third one is the one we're talking about right now, which is live our give. To give generously so that we can fund the mission that God is setting up. Give generously so we can pay down our mortgage. I'll talk about that in a second. And free up direct ministry dollars to fund God's vision. This building that we're in right now, where God is doing great ministry, the mortgage on this building is roughly the equivalent of eight personal home mortgages in Petaluma. Which isn't bad when you think about it, because we're serving about 300 families every single week. Think about that. Eight mortgages serving 300 families. It's about $4.2 million. One of the things we realized is if we can pay off a million or $2 million of that mortgage, just chunk it out, we can get a lower interest rate, and we will free up direct ministry money. So one of the things we're doing right now is for the next two years, inviting our church to go above and beyond in our generosity so that we can do our regular ministry and then use that extra money to pay down mortgage so that we can, one, get a lower interest rate, and then two, free up direct ministry dollars for this mission God's calling us to. And here's our primary goal, if you're brand new with us. Our primary goal is this, 100% participation. Only for those of us who call new life home, that we would engage with God through prayer, that we would engage with God in our go, and that we would engage in God with living our give, just to see what God does. And as he does that, our secondary goal, I believe, will become a reality. This is a huge goal. Free up $3.2 million of direct ministry money over the next 20 years by paying down $2 million now. That's crazy. That is an audacious goal. But I believe God wants to fund this ministry to move forward in ways that we will look drastically different in three years than we do right now. And how's he going to do it? This is why I don't have timelines for you. He's going to do it through us. God has always used people to fund his mission. Always has, always will. So I was thinking about what I want to talk about today. And I thought to myself, what I'd really like to do this week, because next week we're going to make our commitments of what we want to give to this church, to what God's doing in the next two years. When you guys were here in the very beginning, you got one of these booklets, which talks about where we're going. In there is a, a commitment card. Next week, we're going to be filling out this commitment card. If you have it at home, I'd encourage you to fill it out at home and bring it. But if you don't, we're going to have these here. But next week, we're going to be making our commitments to what we sense God is calling us to. And my thought was, you know what I'd really like to do? I'd really like to take every single one of you out to coffee this week and just sit down and talk. Talk about what questions you have, thoughts you have, ideas you have, fears you have, and just share a little more of the vision. I can't do that. My intestines would not survive. 
So what I thought I'd do today is just pretend like we're getting coffee. Is that okay? And just talk to you as if we were having coffee together. And what I realized this morning as we were getting ready is if we were talking and having coffee together, I would not have a sermon prepared. So if it's okay with you, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put the sermon behind me. Is that okay? Yeah? Okay. Warning. Warning. I'm really trying to hit my time in terms of sermons. I already lost. I had this bet with our worship pastor that if I could hit my time, what? If I could hit my time, he had to wear a Bears jersey because I'm a Bears fan. If I don't hit my time, I have to wear a Packers jersey. I already lost. I know. Which means, I know, you're happy. Here's what that means. I can go as long as I want. Okay, I've already lost. So, uh, too bad. We're resetting it. Yeah, good. But I just want to talk to you. Just talk to you. So, here's what I would love. I'd love to go get coffee with you. And we'd get there together. We'd be standing in line and you'd say, let me pay for coffee. And I'd say, no, you paid last time. Let me pay this time. You'd say, no, no, let me pay. I said, no, let me pay. You'd say, okay. And then we get to the front of the line. You'd order a triple shot venti mocha. And $20 later, we'd be sitting down together. And we'd sit down together and you'd say, Kev. Because my friends call me Kev. I like being called Kev. I also like being called Rev Kev, which a couple of my friends in here call me Rev Kev, my buddy Ryan, you guys here. You say Rev Kev or Kev. I want to be generous. I believe in what God's doing in our church. I want to take part in it. But I don't think I can. I can't give more than I'm giving. What do I do? And I'd sit down with you and we'd have coffee and I would tell you what I believe is true about you that you do want to be generous, that every one of us wants to be a generous person. And I love that about you. And I love that about our church. And then I'd ask you if it's okay with you if I shared with you two stories. The first is the story of a woman that we see in the pages of the Bible who had an interaction with Jesus around generosity. And the second is Maria's and my story of generosity. Would it be okay with you if I shared those two stories? Okay. The first is this woman. We find out her name is Mary. Mary's got a brother who at one point died and Jesus rose him from the dead. It's this crazy moment. And Mary and Jesus have a great relationship. They'd eat together. They'd talk together. He'd stay at her home. He would teach and she would listen. They had this really great relationship. And one day she has this really beautiful interaction with him. And it's marked by incredible generosity. And here's the thing that I've learned about generosity from my own life and the pages of the Bible. A generous life is marked by three words. Every generous, generous person I know has these three words true about them. And the first word is this. Generosity always requires an intentional choice. I want you to look at it from the pages of the Bible, from this interaction this woman has with Jesus. It says, well, Jesus was in Bethany reclining at the table Uh, in the home of Simon the leper, which we assume that is a a person who had leprosy that Jesus healed, but that's a rough nickname. Let's just be honest. That's rough. Simon the leper, a woman named Mary came with an alabaster jar, a very expensive perfume made of pure nard. If you're kind of a Bible nerd, the whole phrase is pure spike nard. It was, which just doesn't that, that sounds like it would smell appealing. Mmm, pure spike nard. I always thought if I had a son, Spike Nard would be a great name. (laughs) Call him Spike for short, because you can't shorten it the other direction. Spike Nard Finkbeiner. That's a strong German name. Remember, we're having coffee right now, and this is the kind of stuff we talk about when we have coffee together. 
So she comes with an alabaster jar, a very expensive perfume of pure spikenard, and she broke the jar and she poured it over Jesus' head. Now, here's the thing about Mary. She left her house one day and went to the house of Simon the leper, knowing she was going to give something to Jesus. She didn't get there and think all of a sudden, I wonder what I could do for Jesus today. She left her house with a jar of perfume. She made the choice at home to bring Jesus this perfume and break it over him. Generosity always starts with a choice. I have never known anyone who lives a lifestyle of generosity who just fell into it. It's always a choice. It always comes with a moment of decision. And here's what I love about this Engage initiative. It is calling us to a moment of decision with Jesus where we take our preference, I want to be generous, and we take an opportunity to practice and choose generosity. And many of us will say yes. So she came. This is my story. Maria and I have been married about 11 years now. About 10 and a half years ago, I was working for this college ministry called InterVarsity Christian Fellowship. I love InterVarsity. I love InterVarsity. It's great. But part of my job in InterVarsity was to fund God's work through InterVarsity. And so I would have fundraising meetings with individuals and couples and churches because I oversaw Sonoma State and Santa Rosa Junior College. I, fund, I was in charge of that, those two ministries. And I would have conversations saying, would you fund the vision to meet kids, meet college students on the college campus? Because here's the reality. God always uses people to fund his mission. Always. God doesn't have money trees to fund God's mission. He uses us. So I met with Pastor Ron, who's our founding pastor. He was the senior pastor at the time here at New Life. And I said, would you fund this vision that we have about reaching college students with InterVarsity Christian Fellowship? And he said, I will. And by the way, New Life has supported, financially supported InterVarsity for over 11 years now. And they're very generous as a church to the college ministry because we love college students. Pastor Ron said, we will. Then he said, let me ask you a question, and it will have no bearing on whether or not we choose to support you. Let me ask you this question. Do you and Maria personally tithe? And if you don't know what tithing is, tithing is bringing back that first 10% of whatever God blesses you with, bringing that first 10% back to the work of God, more often than not, through the local church. And at that time, Maria and I didn't tithe. We gave 2 to 3%. Now, just to give some context, between the two of us, both working full-time, we made a combined annual salary of roughly sixty-two dollars or $63,000. So we didn't have a ton of extra money. We were giving 2 or 3% away. We're like a lot of us are today in Sonoma County, just trying to make it. You don't lie to a pastor, right? So I said to Pastor Ron, well, no, we don't tithe. And he said to me, can I challenge you to go home and you and Maria talk about that and pray and talk to God about tithing and consider making a choice to start tithing? And we went home that day and we prayed and we read the Bible. And God really convicted us to give that first 10% back to God, to honor him with the first 10% of our resources back to him. And that next month, we wrote our first tithe check and we've never given less than 10 to 15% of our resource away for the last 11 years. But it began with a choice. And some of you are sitting here today just like I was 10 and a half years ago, saying, I I couldn't do that. I'm telling you, it starts with a choice. Next week, I'm going to invite us to come back and make a generosity commitment. And some of us are praying and hearing from God, and God's giving us actual, this is the number I want you to give. But some of us don't have that. 
here's what I would say. If God hasn't given you a clear number and you don't currently tithe, start by tithing, by bringing that first 10% back to God. For some of us, it might take some time to work up to that. For Maria and I, we just decided we're going to do that first. But God's already said in the Bible, tithing is a great mark to shoot for. That first 10% when it comes to generosity, it always starts with a choice. So 10 years ago, we decided we're going to give the first 10% back to God, and then we're going to pay off debt, and we're going to save, and we're going to live off the other 90%. And God has blessed us in so many different ways because of that commitment. But it led to the second word. Generous people always require some level of sacrifice. I've never met anybody who said to me, Kevin, I just have bags of gold sitting at home just waiting for someone to ask me to be generous. Every one of us lives fairly at our margins, which means giving generously requires sacrifice. Let's go back to the story up on the screens. It says some of the people present were indignant and they were saying to one another, why this waste of perfume? It could have been sold for more than a year's wages. Now just pause for a second. How much money do you make in a year? Do the math. That's the equivalent to the gift she gave. A year's wages and the money given to the poor. And they rebuked her. That means they stood against her. They rebuked her harshly. Now in the ancient world where the story takes place, there were not banks where you would just sock your money away. Money was kept in things like perfumes and oils. This was probably Mary's most valuable possession. And she chose to give it away, and it was a sacrifice. And if we were sitting together having coffee, I would tell you that over the last 10 and a half years, as Maria and I chose generosity, we've had to sacrifice. And I'll say this, we've never had to sacrifice needs. Some of you in this room might have to sacrifice needs for the sake of giving generously. We've always had meals to eat. Our kids have always had shoes to wear. We've never had to sacrifice needs, but we've had to sacrifice a lot of wants. And we've had to sacrifice a good amount of our entitlements. We both work full-time at high-level positions. You could say we're entitled to blank. We just let that go. Say there is no entitlement here. So we've sacrificed things like we dream of owning a house together. We paid off debt in the first two and a half years of being married, and we've been saving to own a house. But we currently don't own a house. One, because it's expensive. It's expensive. And two, we've given money away that we could have saved for a house. That's a sacrifice of a want. It's a dream that we are delaying for a greater dream. Uh, we've sacrificed things like going on a big vacation every year. Maria and I try to get away every two or three years for a medium-sized vacation, as opposed to every year for a big vacation. It's a want that we've sacrificed. We sacrifice things like furniture in our house. So our bedroom furniture was my parents' bedroom furniture. When my parents got married almost 40 years ago, they had my mom's cousin give them their old bedroom furniture. They kept it for 30 years. When we got married, they gave it to us. So this is like 40-year-old furniture. Now, don't think cool antique. Think 70s brown. Okay, this is the time frame we're talking about. 70s furniture. It's not so much Victorian. It's 70s. Think shag carpets and cool furniture. Listen, it's not our visual aesthetic 
It's not what we would go for. It's a sacrifice of a want. Our bed that we sleep in, someone gave to us when they moved away. Gently used. (laughs) We're having coffee together. So if you don't like something I say, this isn't a sermon. We're just having coffee together. Generosity. I'm telling you, I'm telling you. Will require sacrifice. Here's why this is such good news. Those of us who are Jesus followers, we follow a God who for the sake of love sacrificed it all. And then he invites us to experience his love in such a way that we'd be willing to sacrifice some for the sake of others. This is part of our process of following Jesus and maturing in our faith. And I love that I get to call our church to this. The third word that I would talk to you about if we were having coffee together is the word blessing. Giving generously always results in some level of blessing. Sometimes it's financial blessing. God has blessed us generously. Um, My wife and I got together with about 30 households from leaders from our church on Friday night. We had a worship service with 30 leaders or 30 households of people who lead in our church. That's about half of the key leaders in our church. We have about 60 households full of people who really lead in this church. 30 of them got together to worship God and to make our advanced commitments where we said, this is what God is calling us to give over the next two years. One, so that we could tell you God is doing something great already. And two, so that we could invite you to join us on this journey. In just a few minutes, I'm going to share with you what God did through 38 households in our church, the number God brought to us to encourage you as you go out and pray about what God is doing through you. But let me tell you my story. If we were sitting together for coffee, I'd say sometimes when it comes to generosity, my wife and I go and pray and God brings us back with different numbers. Oftentimes, we go with the more generous one. It's almost always hers. So I follow her in that. This time, my wife and I went and prayed about what God would want us to give over and above what we currently give. We came back together. God brought us back with the exact same number. It was awesome. It was awesome. Then on Thursday night, preparing for this Friday night advanced commitment time, I wrote down, did the math on what we currently give each year and then what we're going to give above and beyond. And I recognized that over the course of the next two years, we're going to be giving away more money than, we, than I made 10 years ago. My first thought was, holy moly, that's a lot of money. God's done a lot of work in my life because 10 years ago, holy moly would not have been the phrase I used. (laughs) Holy moly. And the, the second thought I had was, good God, you've been so faithful to us. That over the next two years, Maria and I have the privilege of giving away more money than I made in my annual salary 10 years ago. And in the process of that, you have blessed us in such a way that we can do that. That's amazing. That's amazing. God blesses us in that. God's blessed us with a house to rent. It's an awesome little house, about 1,100 square feet. A Christian couple owns it. They rent it to us for well below what they could make on the market. God has blessed us in our choice to give sacrificially. He's blessed us. Our kids need braces in the next couple of years. We were trying to figure out, braces aren't cheap. How do we fund it? Two years ago, my wife's sister, who's a TV commercial producer, said, take your phone and videotape your kids at the park and ask them, who wants McDonald's? That's all we had to ask. Who wants McDonald's? So we asked, who wants McDonald's? Guess what? Our kids wanted McDonald's. (laughs) Go figure. We taped it. We sent it to her. It made it on a commercial that went around the country. We got 
in revenue from that commercial the amount of money we need to get both our kids' braces paid off free and clear. So it's awesome. God blesses financially, oftentimes, sometimes. But God blesses in other ways too. God blesses with contentment. Contentment is one of those characteristics that Jesus' followers are called to cultivate in our lives, but it does not happen until we have to say no to something good for the sake of something great. It could be that God wants to bless you with contentment. It could be that God wants to bless you with a sense of knowing that you're doing something beyond, beyond yourself. The work that God's going to do through our church in this next season is going to have ripple effects into our community. It's going to have ripple effects into our world, and ultimately it's going to echo into eternity. And you and I get to be a part of that as we pray each day, as we know our go, and as we live our give, giving generously and sacrificially to God's work. Next week, I'm going to invite you to come back, having prayed and sought God around your generosity next step. And we're going to take these cards, and we're going to fill them out together. It's going to be a holy moment of saying yes to Jesus and the things that he's doing. I want you to know two things, though, as you go away. One, Maria and I are on this journey with you. God has spoken to us about our own generosity. He's called us to great things, and we've made our commitment to go forward because we want to lead you in that. And two, the leadership of this church is going before you. We've sought God. We believe God is in this. And we came together and we prayed and we made our commitments. And I want to tell you something. And when I do, you're going to erupt into spontaneous applause because it's pretty amazing. 38 households got together, including, by the way, one seventh grader who said, I'm going to do three $10 jobs every month for the next two years and give all of that money back to what God's doing in the church which equaled $750. Seven, okay, that's, that's like $100,000 for those of us in the adult world. $750 when you're in junior high? I was moved to tears when I heard that story. But 38 households got together. We worshiped, we prayed, we sought God, we made our commitments. 38. Now, last year at New Life, 506 households gave to the mission of this church. 506 households. This is 38. From 38 households, God has provided $1,351,000. That's amazing. One, are you kidding me? That's a third of the way to our fully funded vision for the next two years from 38 households. So as you go, know that you're not alone. Know that others are going before you and going with you and committing to take this journey with you. As we wrap up our time at coffee together, I would pull out this little card from my bag that I'd have. And I'd say, let me walk you through what next week is going to look like. Every one of us should have one of these at home. And I would invite you, come back next week with this filled out. If you don't have one at home, we will have them in all the seatbacks in front of you. But next week, we're going to have a really holy moment of making our intentions for the next two years known. And you'll write in the top what I gave in the last year. If you don't know the answer to that question, email finance at newlifepetaluma.org. And we can tell you how much money you gave last year. Finance at newlifepetaluma.org. 
Next to, below that, you're going to write, this is my or our expanded annual generosity over the course of one year. Below that equals my total one-year commitment. You're going to multiply that by two. That is your total two-year commitment. And then we're just going to celebrate what God does because whatever God does in that time is what God's going to use to fund us moving forward to do the great things God's calling us to do. So we're wrapping up our coffee. Your bladder's full because you had a Vente triple shot mocha. And you're like, Kevin, I got to pee. I understand. <laughs> I would say to you, friends, as we leave, I believe that you want to be a generous person. I believe you want to live open-handedly and give open-handedly. I, I believe that about you. Would you do four things this week to prepare yourself for what God wants to do in your life? One, would you ask this question? Are those three words true about me? Have I made a choice to be generous? Is it causing me to sacrifice some of my wants? Am I saying no to something good for the sake of something great? Three, do I believe that God actually wants to bless me in the process? I'd ask you to ask yourself and ask your spouse that question. The second thing that I would say is come back next week with your number for the next two years. If God doesn't speak a specific number to you, could I challenge you that maybe God's next step for you is to begin tithing? That tithing is a good generosity mark to shoot for, the first 10% back to him. If God doesn't give you a specific number, it could be that just like Pastor Ron challenged me and that started me off, this could be the thing that starts you off in a lifestyle of generosity. Maybe it's the first 10% for you. Come back next week with your card filled out. On on October 29th, we're going to have what we call Kickstart Sunday. That's where we will start our two-year commitment, where you would bring your increased generosity, and it's going to be a two-year commitment. That's going to be a fun time. Um, Next week is called Commitment Sunday, where we make our commitments. And then the last thing is this. I'd say to you, hey, if more questions come up over the next three days, I'm going to try something I've never done before. I'm going to go Facebook Live for the first time ever. Uh, So this coming Wednesday, don't cheer yet. I don't know if I can do it. This coming Wednesday at 7 o'clock, I'm going to be on New Life's Facebook page, just Facebook Live, just talking about this journey. If no one clicks in, I'll just keep talking and sharing things. If you click in, I'll probably be like, hey, how are you? Amy, good to see you. I'm not good at just staying focused. Dan, oh my gosh, glad you're here. And then you can just ask me questions. Kevin, what about this? How are we going to do that? Lay that vision out for me a little bit more, and we'll just Facebook Live for as long as we want to be on. We'll just chat because there is no second service for Facebook Live. So we can just talk. I would love for you to join me. Honestly, if three of you join me, it'll be so fun. If 300 of you join me, it'll be terrifying and so fun. And then come back next week ready for this moment with God. It's a great moment for our church. It's going to be a great moment for you. Let me pray for us. God, as we go out this week, we are encouraged by the work that you are already doing in our lives as we take this generosity journey with you. God, we're so encouraged by the example set before us by 38 households who said that they don't only want to lead in the ways that they serve, they also want to lead in the ways that they give and live generously. Thank you, Jesus, for their inspiration and their partnership with us on this journey. God, would you give us clarity about our generosity next steps? For those of us who follow you, who know you, who love you, would these three words be true of our lives? That we've chosen to give generously to the things that are closest to your heart. 
that we freely sacrifice some of our wants for the sake of something even greater. And then in the process, we experience the blessing of partnership with you. We love you, God. Amen. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.